Town Hall Academy, episode 39. And it's all about transparency. I mean, that's, that's the word that everybody's using today. It's the same with our uh, clients as it is with our potential recruits. And people want to work for a place that's transparent. They want to know what are the nuts and bolts and the everything behind everything. And that's what makes them feel comfortable and safe. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, Aftermarket Tribe from North America and around the world to the Town Hall Academy from Remarkable Results Radio. Carm Capriato here with another substantial discussion. We're going to talk about recruiting to fill vacancies and build your team. Hey, have you had a chance to see the amount of educational content available on the podcast? Well, if you spend a few moments on the website, RemarkableResultsRadio.com, you'll find over 260 personal interviews and over 38 smart academy forums. Nearly 300 listening events, like books to read. Don't be overwhelmed, though. You can eat the elephant one bite at a time when you listen to learn just one thing. And I know you'll learn at least one thing, and your world will be better for it. I want to thank Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Academy. In addition to the strict quality remanufacturing steps they take at Jasper, they can improve a drivetrain's component's original design so that it runs longer and better than when it was new. Check out their featured engine and transmission pages at jasperengines.com. Hey, learn from your colleagues. The stories and the lessons in the Aftermarket's premiere podcast allow the voices to inspire you in a personal way. The website has every episode categorized in 11 different series so you can find areas of special interest to you. Also, let the Tag Cloud help you narrow your focus for an even more deeper dive into specific subjects. And if you're using the official listening app, you appreciate its power to help you glide through and find every episode. You don't need to take your eyes off the road to listen and learn just one thing. Hey, this Academy on 8 Ways to Recruit to Build Your Team and Bench Strength includes Kevin Vaught, Business Development Coach with Elite Worldwide. Ryan Blair from Blair Automotive and BMP Tuning in Dallas, Texas, an Auto and VW Service and Performance Facility. And Robert Sexton, the General Manager of First Tire and Automotive, a multi-shop operation in the greater Houston area. Find extended bios on Kevin, Ryan, and Robert on the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash A039. You can copy from the website and have yourself a great to-do list of great recruitment strategies and tactics for your business. We cover networking, building your pipeline of qualified candidates, and your people as recruiters. They all agree that recruiting is a long game that needs daily attention. You must invest the time. We talk about marketing efforts and being involved in secondary and post-secondary education. Hey, many more great ideas and gems of wisdom from the Academy panel who make recruiting a must-do responsibility to their companies. Find the homepage at RemarkableResultsRadio.com. Now here we go with Kevin Vaught, Ryan Blair, and Robert Sexton and the Town Hall Academy on recruiting to build your team and bench strength. Kevin, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to start this all off for us. Um, is the technician shortage a great opportunity for us right now to recruit better people? I tell you, I think it is, Carm. I, in my opinion, I think that this is a great opportunity. There's no doubt there's a shortage out there. Um, but if, you know, if you'll do the right things and you'll be actively recruiting instead of passively recruiting, there's a lot of opportunities out there. I, and I think the whole, uh, 
the, the encompassing umbrella to what we're going to talk about today is what you just said, actively recruiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to be actively recruiting. The days of putting an ad in the paper and having 15 applicants come into your shop, those days are gone. Years ago, people always told me when I went to seminars, they said, Carm, you've got to build a bench. Carm, you've got to build a bench. And that's really in the purest of essence is you have to be able to go to the agent of the ball player and say, hey, uh, I know we've been chatting. I've got an opening. Let's talk. And you get that from having resumes and discussions and dinners and lunches and, and friendships. Right. We call it, we call it building a pipeline. And, you know, you've you got to build a pipeline. you got to network and build a pipeline of people that, uh, that are contacts, not necessarily people you're going to hire today. Remember, there's a big difference between recruiting and hiring. You know, you should be recruiting every single day. Every day. That doesn't mean you're hiring every day. You're just building that network. You're building that pipeline. So the day that it comes, you are not shuddering in your shoes saying, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go back to the bay and I'm going to be shorthanded for how long? You, you really almost have the workings of a plan almost ready. And I think that's the key, Carm. In my opinion, you got to have you, recruiting takes, a, you know, you need a goal and, and you need a plan. I mean, I believe that with everything, but it's a very important with recruiting. And we, you know, we spend an awful lot of time recruiting customers through marketing and advertising, and, and we don't spend quite as much time recruiting people. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, um, I loved one of your talking points. I, I, I just love it. And it's find out what's important to your own people and then build on that. I mean, go for me. Tell me why that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're recruiting somebody or, or anybody, the way that you are going to interact with them and the way that you're going to approach certain aspects of the recruitment is really going to depend on what's important to them. And we all know, I mean, it, you, can, you can make it easy and kind of split it between kind of two. You've got your younger, hungry guys. And with them, I'm going to be promoting, hey, here's this opportunity. Here's how we're going to support you and grow you in your career. And then we have the guys that are established. They've got families. Those guys care about stability. They care about benefits. They care about you know, their family and how they're going to be supported and they want to be protected. And so you can kind of change your entire approach to your recruitment based on the kind of people that you're trying to recruit. Uh, and I've noticed that that's been uh, massively effective for me in, in recruiting uh, the employees that we have here. Are you ever wowed by an employee saying to you, you know, I, I just love our health plan or I love this and I love that. And you say, well, I've worked hard, but I've never really known the kind of impact that it had on my people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, coming from the dealership, you know, I, I had the benefits, but you don't really appreciate them until you're providing them for people. And you also don't really appreciate them until you're leaving the safety net of the dealership. And a lot of times, if you're trying to recruit somebody that's, you know, a top tier dealership employee, you've got to have that safety net uh, that the dealership has in providing all of those same benefits. And they're extremely grateful, you know, insurance reimbursement, you know, workman's comp, you know, all of the same things that they've come to expect in their careers. So an employee comes to you and says, I love this, whatever this is. Do you ever say in the back of your mind, I've got to do more of this? Yeah, abs absolutely. You know, we're always looking to, you know, increase, um, 
benefits uh, as we grow, as we can afford more. And even morale, right? Oh, yeah. Even even morale. I mean, people people come to work at places because they they find out it's fun, great culture, good morale. Yeah, the, that gets out. The atmosphere. You know, one of the things that we do is in in Texas. You know. Baseball's big, uh, as Robert knows right now, Uh, you know, but opening day at the ballpark for the Rangers is a huge day. And instead of having half my guys call in sick, we just all go out to the ball game. We set up one of our tents. We close the shop for a day. We have a good time, you know, and there's little things like that. Those are the things that people see uh, as they're following you and as they see, you know, your your employees will be posting about it uh, and they'll be excited. And that's the kind of atmosphere that people want to come and work for. Ryan, how could you close your place? <laughs> now I say I wonder, that I want to. I want to do the same thing as a coach. No, I, I, I say I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek because I know guys that take their whole crew to Vision, and they, they they'll take them to Apex. And there are some people saying that can't be done. This guy's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things that you have to look at the big picture. Uh, you know, and. I think that the morale and the way that your employees feel about uh, the way that they're bought in on your vision, they're going to be working really hard for you every day that you're open. And when you can provide them, uh, you know, a treat like that uh, to make them feel good and and it makes everybody feel good and everybody's having a good time. It also builds camaraderie uh, and friendships. And and I find that people are even more productive when we come back. I, I have never had a week where we were closed for a fun day that ended up being a worse financial week. Got it. You got to plan for it, right? Do it and plan for it. And, and uh, okay, so you work harder the next day. I bet you everybody works harder the next day. You're, you're darn right. Robert, glad you've been so patient with us. Hosting training at your shop, it's one of your great ideas. Tell me about it. Absolutely, Cam. Uh, first, I'd like to touch on something with Ryan. You know, uh, they closed for opening day the Rangers. I think we may have to close for the week if the Astros won the World Series. That's never happened before. <laughs> That's a wow. big one. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It, it, you know, I'm good for you guys down there. Kevin, you think Craig would go for that? I'm, I'm on board. I don't think he would. <laughs> oh, well. All right. So, okay, you can't close for a week. Okay. As far as the hosting the training, it's something we've done a couple of times, and we're looking at doing it more and more. Uh, one of the things that uh, I feel like that does for you is in line with building your pipeline, you need contacts. You need to meet people. Uh if you host your training there, what are you doing? You're bringing in people into your business that are interested in improving themselves, be it in technicians or service advisors or whatever it is. And you're not only doing that, but it gives you a chance to showcase your shop. Uh, your shop has to be the kind of place people want to come work at. In order for that to work, you have to have a proper modern equipment, nice, clean facility. But when the technicians come in and see you doing this, they know that you're uh, leader in your industry in terms of staying on top of technology and supporting their careers. And those with the, that's what the, uh, I feel like the true superstars in the sense you're looking for somebody that can support them in advancing their career as far as they can go. It's almost like an open house. Yeah. Like open house. You're, there's going to be a, you meet a lot of people and it may not be the people you meet there that are the ones that are in your pipeline, but they birds of a feather flock together. So you tend to, get names from people from names of people, you know, it's a ongoing thing. 
I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with Patrick McHugh, and he had an open house or an art show, some really great things that, that he does to you know for recruitment. And he made sure that he invited some technicians from some of the area shops to stop by. And uh, because it was all in this guise, if you will, of, of, a, of, a, of an art show. He's a BMW specialty shop, right? And he goes into the bays because his people were there. And a couple of these techs from dealerships and other places in the area, one of them said, that's going to be my bay. <laughs> that's interesting. And within two weeks, the guy was working there. That's good. But. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great tactic that if you're going to do an open house, a woman's clinic, it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing for the open to the public. Get the word out. And one of you guys mentioned, you know, contact the customers. I've had several clients that uh, that uh, have hired, especially advisors, not so much technicians, but especially advisors have hired them because they've asked their good customers. Hey, you know anyone looking, you know, because you're, who knows your business besides yourself and your employees any better than a good customer that's been, a, you know, a repeat customer. And I've, I had a client out in California in the desert that uh, has hired two advisors that way, just from uh, asking their existing customers. Kevin, just to add to that, one thing that I've learned doing this and seems to work much better is uh, if you ask people, do you know anybody looking for a job? Their first answer is going to be no. And you, you ask them, hey, who do you know that's really a superstar? Who do you know that's great at doing whatever specific thing you're looking for or has this great personality, outgoing personality for looking for a service advisor or somebody that's very technical and wants to improve yourself or get a better job, better opportunity. But if you just ask for somebody looking for jobs, the first answer I get from everybody is no, I don't want to and, and that's such a great point because it was you, Kevin, who said you can't put the word help wanted anywhere around looking for a job. It really needs to say, you know, uh, hey, I'm we're looking for good people. I mean, just like you said, Robert, it it doesn't start with I'm looking for help. I'm looking for superstars. Yes. Kevin, we talked a little a little bit ago about looking at all these old applications. Do you have any disciplines on what needs to happen? Say, for example, I, I interviewed someone three or four months ago. Do I take that application and throw it in a drawer, in a file? Do I catalog it? What do I do with it so that I could find it next time? I think there's, first of all, you, you know, there's certain state laws you got to abide by first. That being, sa- that being said, uh, we always kept two or three files, and we called them A, B, and C file. And so the, the, a, the A people we threw in the A file, the B people, you know, the ones that we consider we threw in the B file and so on. And, they, and then, like I said, uh, you know, what, what happens is you may not, you know, the, 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 you may be looking for an A tech, and t- today that applicant may be a B tech. But 12 months from now, 24 months from now, he may, you know, he's got, you know, 22 years more experience. And so that's why I, I recommend going back and looking at previous applications. That's a great point. If the guy's worth anything, he's doing perpetual training, and he's growing, and he's getting better. Absolutely. So, Ryan, have you ever picked up the phone and called um, an applicant from a little while ago and found out what they were up to? Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I like to keep up to date with everybody in my recruitment pipeline, and uh, there may be people that uh, I've interviewed um, or or less formal. Uh, you know, but they're, you know, they're growing. They're, they're like 
plants, right? And I'm not having to pay for the watering or the sunlight or anything. Uh, the dealerships are, or wherever they're working, uh, they're getting their training and they're growing. Uh, and I love to keep up with them, uh, make sure, you know, check in with them, offer a little bit of mentorship as well. Uh, that way they're getting something out of the relationship while I can kind of keep tabs on them. Uh, and yeah, and somebody that, that graduates top of their class and, and gets into, you know, a BMW dealership, you know, it's still going to take years for them to get to where they can really be established uh, and on their own in an independent environment. So, uh, you know, those, these are this is the long game. You know, I might be looking three, four, five years waiting for these technicians to really uh, and advisors to really solidify uh, in their environment. And 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 absolutely, uh, I, I keep up with them on a, on a regular basis. Why would they come to work for you? They want to come to work uh, for us mainly from the dealership the the key selling points are uh, a lot less red tape a lot less micromanagement uh, and the environments in dealerships it's a very top down it's a very uh, you know daily uh, meetings that are interfering okay there's so. a bigger there's a bigger grind there's layers yes. and is the dealership the only place you're recruiting from I tend to recruit mostly from the dealership uh, because of the type of facility that we have and the type of uh, shop that we have, it really does require specified knowledge, uh, years and years of specified knowledge. Now, we do have some apprentices that we're bringing up uh, in the advisor position and in the technician position that don't have as much dealership experience. Uh, but when we're looking at uh, established positions that require you know, five to ten years uh, of experience, we're almost exclusively recruiting from the dealerships. Carm Capriato here with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Ron, are Jasper product improvements important when deciding to buy your next engine or transmission? Oh, absolutely. Uh, not only important for me, because I know that I'm going to put a product in a vehicle that's going to last, uh, but they're important for my customer. Uh, my customer's already got an engine that's failed, maybe because a component was under-engineered, and Jasper's gone in and found that and fixed that. And if somebody's committing to the kind of investment to put an engine in their vehicle, they're going to want the best one they can get. Hey, Ron, what could you tell me about Jasper's customer service? Jasper's customer service is above and beyond pretty much any of the vendors' customer service that we use. There's been times that I've often thought we we need to hire whoever trains Jasper's staff to come train my staff. I mean, from, from the initial phone call to if there's a warranty problem, a question, a, a technical issue, uh, they answer the phone and you're immediately talking to the person that can help you. Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. Reputation of a shop, Robert. I guess no one's going to come and work for you if you don't have a good reputation. Absolutely. Your best people, your best superstars, they, they they take pride in what they do. They uh, they want to be the best. They want to work with the best. They're not going to come to a shop that doesn't have a good reputation, that's not equipped properly, and where they can't excel in their career and reach the top level. So you have to maintain that. Uh, you have to maintain your reputation within your community and customers, as well as your reputation within the industry in terms of through other shops. So... Um, that's one of the things that you, keeps a constant vigilance. Um, we're 
constantly monitoring our online reputation, just like I know everybody is and you have to, uh, as well as trying to constantly network with other shops and keep a good rapport and relationship with other shops. That trickles down through all the employees. So, uh, and it also helps you, again, networking and meeting new people. You said a lot of really great things there, and, I, and I've got to talk to you about that shop networking. And that is, to me, an extreme important piece of being a good recruiter. I agree 100%. I think one of the worst things you can do as a shop owner, not only for your business, but for the industry in general, is to badmouth other shops or talk bad about other people in the industry. Obviously, we've all seen, in this business long enough, we've all seen bad businesses, bad shops. They're out there. We know that. But most of the people in this industry are good shop owners, wanting to run a reputable business, trying to do a good job. Um, what, what you have to do is build a good network within your industry of other of shop owners helping each other, not beating each other up. It'll help us in the industry. It'll help us in your networking and in your recruiting. You know, I really want, I want to have a town hall academy just on that subject. In fact, we were ranting about it in the private Facebook group. And, you know, there's there's some guys, you know, that are on both sides of the fence on that. And glad to hear what you had to say. And it never ceases to amaze me. We bemoan the fact that we have a bad reputation as an industry, a black market industry. But yet we talk bad about each other. You know, I see it all the time. I'll, you talk to shop owners and they'll beat up another shop down the road. I prefer not to do that. You know, I prefer not to, if somebody that I feel like is not performing to the level of the proper industry standards, to me, they're, it's kind of like they're a vacant spot. I don't, I don't, I don't acknowledge them. They're not part of my industry. I don't want them to be part of my industry, but most of them, most of the shops, they're just business people trying to make a success for themselves. You know, and it, it, if you work with them and, and keep a good reputation, have a, a good, relationship with the other shop owners in the area, you're going to find that you're going to meet a lot of people. Uh, we had a very good instance just recently. Everybody knows how hard it is to hire an L1 technician. Well, we recently opened a new location and we wanted a top tier technician. Uh, I was able to hire an L1 master tech in fairly short order because we had a local shop in the area that for years and years and years operated with a good relationship with us. He ran a good business. He, uh, that had a very successful business and he had uh, two really good technicians in there, superb technicians. And out of mutual respect, obviously we're not going to recruit from each other. Just not going to do it. Um, he recently kind of got tired in the industry and wanted to move on to other opportunities and sold his business. And he sold his business to a basically an investment company, a guy that owns multiple different types of businesses in the area. And I saw the opportunity then I knew that I could offer a better opportunity to this, to this, one L1 technician had a relationship already built with him, called him up, said I would talk to him. And guess what? He was ready to come on board. He knew things were changing. He wanted to make a change. And we had a good reputation with him already because he knew us from the relationship we built with that shop. You never know when those, uh, when those networking and relationship opportunities are going to go, bam. Yes. You just never know. You never, that's why you need to invest in them. That was one of our biggest fears of opening another location was getting the proper people in. Uh, had many conversations with Kevin's about that, you know, getting the right manager in place, getting the right technicians in place. And 
You know, you, you just brought up a great point. A couple of guys that I've interviewed that are MSOs, multi-shop owners, uh, they talk about seeding their current company, knowing that they're going to open a store and they start hiring and, you know, having duplicate staff so that you're teaching culture and training. And then when that's when that store is finally open, you transfer the people. Have you ever done it like that? We did bring in people before that store actually opened and started training. Um, we started a few years ago, much like... Uh, uh, Ryan has done a apprentice program to try and groom some of that. We've had mixed results with that, but you know, the bottom line is you're going to take your lumps and learn along the way. We have hired and brought in some people and, and trained them and brought them up through the ranks and had a couple of them stayed and stuck and starting to work out. And one of them is at that new location right now with an opportunity. You know, he's a level tech that's going to have an opportunity to become an A level tech. And he shows the ambition, right attitude, aptitude to do it. So it's, Working out well, Tim. Ryan, since I heard you are the Facebook pro, you get all that stuff. Tell me um, your methods of using social media to recruit. Absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, Facebook in particular, but also Instagram now, are huge platforms for interacting with everybody. And that includes, you know, obviously your clients, but also all of your potential recruits. Uh, what I like to do is I like to have everybody that I'm interested in uh, following my personal Facebook page and following my business Facebook page because that gives them two things. It gives them access to see what kind of a, a business we are, the things that we're doing, uh, how much fun we're having, but then it also allows them to see what kind of a person I am. And that speaks a lot to people when they're trying to decide, you know, who do I want to work for? Is this the kind of person I want to work for? But one of the great benefits to that as well is, is when they're following you, you can be following them. You know, you can see if they get a new pet or, you know, if they're thinking about making a, a life change or moving somewhere, buying a new car or selling a car. I mean, these are all things uh, that can be great conversation starters when you're wanting to catch up with them, talk to them uh, and interact with them as time goes on. So I think that it's a uh, fantastic platform and an opportunity for every, everybody to be able to just interact uh, with potential employees. And it's all about transparency. I mean, that's, that's the word that everybody's using today. It's the same with our uh, clients as it is with our potential recruits. And people want to work for a place that's transparent. They want to know what are the nuts and bolts and the everything behind everything. And that's what makes them feel comfortable and safe. Let's compare some millennials, uh, Gen Xs to boomers. Um, transparency really important to the younger person? I would say so, yes. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, especially now as the younger, you know, you know, even younger than me, guys are starting to come into my business. Uh, it's more and more important uh, that they know what's going on, uh, that they have kind of the big picture and, and that they know that they're a part of it. Uh, they want to know what, what the why is. Uh, and if the explanation isn't good enough, then they might come up with their own and that might be better than the one that I have, you know, and, and we encourage that. But, but they're very involved uh, in the ownership of the business. Uh, and, and that's really what you want um, from your employees or, or your potential recruits. So if you're looking for young people and you don't have a purpose and you can't explain your why, you're going to ask them, why are you leaving? God, I want to hire you. And 
be prepared for the answer. Absolutely. It's very important. So, Kevin, do we have to put some money in a recruitment process? Do we have to invest in it or not? I believe so, Carm. And I got to tell you, the the reason I believe that is that, uh, you know, we spend tens of thousands of dollars uh, marketing to our external customers, marketing for business. Um, But really, one's no good without the other. You could have a line of customers around the building. If you don't have a staff to help them, you don't have a business. You could have a, a a shop full of great staff, but if you don't have customers, you're out of business. So I think they're equally as important. And again, it goes back to having a goal and a plan. I think you need to, it's got to be part of your marketing plan. You need to, you need to dedicate resources to recruiting. Now that doesn't necessarily mean equal amounts of money, but it does mean time. Yeah, it does. You're right. Time is money. But I, I, I think of signing bonuses. I think of stuff like that. Is that where you're talking about putting money? Well, that's I, I'm not a big fan of signing bonuses, and the reason for that I'm a big fan of bounties. You know, giving good good bounties. The reason I, I don't like signing bonuses is because now you're alienating the other people. No, I get, I get that. Maybe it was a poor choice of words, but thanks for clearing that up. But what I'm talking about more importantly is I think you got you've got to do some marketing, whether it be putting money in Facebook marketing to to technicians or whether uh, you know I think it takes both. It, but mainly the, the resource involved in, in recruiting, in my opinion, is time. You've got to dedicate time every single week to recruiting. But in, in that being said, I do think that you should you should also you know there's one way of doing that. Carmel, I have a lot of my my clients that they put out a, a, a direct mail piece, for example. Well, they'll put a starburst at the top corner that says "Always looking for superstars," or "We're growing, we're expanding, looking for superstars." So this, you're kind of hitting both worlds right there, recruiting and marketing to the customer at the same time. You know, I I heard Bob uh, Cooper speak and uh, he he's just and that that impressed me superstars it impressed me that's that is seems to be elites just drive for that's, good people that's it you know you can't you can't survive without great people and, the, and great people in the right spot you know you can't survive with it so that's what we we do we're always looking for superstars right fellas that's the way we that's the way we're looking always for superstars. that's what you drive to it and, and has that philosophy strategy been successful robert ryan it has uh it has been successful. We've been very blessed to be able to keep our shops full. Uh, but if you have a moment's pause, you know, anything distracts you from your constant vigilance on it, it reflects. Uh, one of the things that we talk about Kevin and I is we opened our fourth location and my attention from the recruiting got diverted. And I've kind of been off pace on it. And it's reflecting, you know, I mean, I'm now I'm having to work double hard to as Kevin would say, refill my pipeline. I need to. I haven't been focused on that. So now I find myself trying to get involved in all kinds of things involved. Going, I'll go to technician, technician seminars and sit down and take a bunch of business cards, just sit there and talk to people, pass out business cards. Um, any kind of media too. And I guess, can I add to that a little bit? And, and, and I think that you, um, uh, you, you know, it, marketing or recruiting is very similar to marketing to, to customers, again, in that what you do today pays off three or four months from now. You're not going to get instant results, and that's what makes people stop. Just like when they put an advertising out, oh, it didn't work. Well, how do you know? I tried it once. You, got, you know, you've got what you do today starts paying off three or four months from now, in my opinion. Robert, you, that's where you're, you're at right now, I right? agree, and, and turn, what ends up happening is, you know, we – we, we fill up our boat, if you will, with the fish and then quit fishing. We're like, oh, we're here, you know, and then before you know it, the fish are gone and you're like, oh, crap, I need to go fishing again. I'm, I'm uh, definitely very active again in my recruiting and working very hard, not because we're dying for 
new people right now, but I know with the growth we've had and the new store opening and it, it growing, we're going to need more people in the six months, eight months from now. And if I wait five, six months, I'm in trouble. You're doing a lot of smart stuff, Robert. It is just one of those things that a person in your position must do. And if it's not on a daily basis, it needs to be every other day. Like you said, you don't pay attention to something and, and it all of a sudden gets weeds grow. I give Kevin a lot of credit. He's the one that's uh, kind of opened my eyes to the fact that this is something that I can't do it once in a while. I need to dedicate a certain number of hours every day to doing this or if it's just an hour every day and then so many hours a week and uh, keep the phones working. You know? That's a great takeaway for everyone in the audience that this is, this is a perpetual duty. Yes. And you know, and, and Carmen, I go back, I tell my clients all the time, how bad do you want it? You know, if you know, you can whine about that shortage of technicians, but get off your hind end and go out and find them, <laughs> you we know, get them work at it. I know. How bad do you want it? That's like, show me how, the money. It's the same, same principle, right? How bad how, do you want how it? Bad, that's right. How bad do you want it? You're right. Do you want to complain about it or you can do something about it? Carm, I had, a, I had just had a real, a real quick example. I had a, a client one time. I says, you know, you might offer this particular person a, a $4,000 bounty, not a hiring bonus, a bounty. He said, oh, my goodness, I would never spend that kind of money. I said, let's see here. You're, you're going to offer someone a $3,000 hiring bonus. You, you've already told me this. You're, you're losing $5,000 a week in business being short a technician, and you're not willing to give $4,000 bounty to someone? I mean, that's $400 a month, $300 a month. Why wouldn't you do that over a 12-month period? And then the silence comes over and then the pure logic of the, the thought starts seeping out and they say, God, Kevin, you're right. That's, that's pretty much the way it went. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan ever used the bounty? Hasn't had to. Because you've got it figured out. No, not exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's something that we would definitely look into. Uh, and I have... Um, I have a friend, for example, right now that has a shop out in California and great culture, great shop. Uh, you know, they take snow days, powder days, go snowboarding and skiing. And, and I've seen a lot of his recruitment efforts uh, and a lot of them involve, you know, asking for bounties. And so for sure, I'm always keeping an eye out. And so my recruitment list, you know, then becomes an opportunity, you know, hey, if somebody, you know, happens to be located in California or someone that wants to relocate, I'm definitely keeping an eye out for him, uh, not only because he's a cool guy and, and a good friend, but also because, hey, you know, there's there's an incentive there. And so if that works for me, it's absolutely going to work for other people in my industry. Ryan, talk to me about grassroots parents, students speaking at Vogue schools. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, about four years ago, I started speaking at Universal Technical Institute uh, twice a year uh, to incoming students and their teachers. Uh, and part of that is, is you know, giving back, uh, you know, since I'm a graduate of Universal Technical Institute, kind of, uh, you know, my opportunity to uh, get these kids and the parents excited about a career in in this field. You know, there's a ton of opportunity. Uh, and if you look at my career uh, that I've had, it's, it's just a great example and just one of the many examples uh, that can be given. Uh, but one of the benefits to this is, is, you know, we're three years down the road, three, four years down the road. Uh, and this is just an opportunity to grow potential relationships. And not only is it good to have a relationship with a school that can provide 
potential recruits. If you look at the top 1%, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want about Universal Technical Institute, but if you look at the top 1% of the kids coming out of that program, those are the kinds of people that you're going to be interested in. Those are going to be the 1% anywhere they go. And so, you know, I have developed several relationships with potential recruits uh, that I've met through those speaking engagements, either as other speakers that are there that have also been successful grads, or even as people that saw me when they were, you know, the first time at UTI three, four years ago, and now they're a technician at Mercedes, and they remember, and they come up to me and they say, "Ah, I mean, you, you fired me up, you know, you, you talk, told me about you know six-figure salaries and all this and that and, and got them fired up and got them motivated through the program. Uh, and a lot of these uh, people I also bring under my wing and in, into a mentorship program uh, where you know I just reach out or if they have questions uh, even while they're at school you know about things to do, ways to do things, you know, advice on different things, and uh, and that's just more and more people to be in my recruitment pipeline. Plus, it feels good to give back and, and to help and, and to tell your story. And you never feel better about yourself or your business than when you're talking about it and in front of a lot of people. I was going to ask you that question. And and thank you for answering my you – almost, you almost read my mind. Have you ever had a chance to hire an individual through uh, the efforts you've made by speaking? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are two or three uh, – very very strong recruits that uh, I'm I'm actively talking to, and uh, you know the potential's very high that you know they may not be quite ready yet, but you know I'm fairly confident that uh, I will get several really strong superstars out of these uh, speaking engagements. You know, and it's it's an hour of effort twice a year. You know, on a Saturday, it's not a lot of effort to have. A relatively large impact in the long in the long run. I'm sure, everyone on this screen here has hired a ton of people, fired a ton of people, and made mistakes along the way. And you learn from it, Robert. Um, you've got to really know the kind of personality you're looking to hire. And and if you do, what do you? How do you? How do you formulate? How do you? How do you find what you're looking for? Before you go out and get something, you have to know what you're looking for. So you have to sit down and identify your personality characteristics you're looking for in any particular position, what's most important to you. Uh, the way we isolate those things is using a couple of different methods. We uh, kind of, although what Ryan does is talking to his people, what's important to them, but we talk to our people and, and see what personality characteristics in them are the best and what works already. And we want to match that. We want to jive with that. Uh, we have uh, signed on with a, a group that was referred to us by the elite company. Uh, called Burke Assessment Group that does a personal profile test and found that that gives us good insights. One tool in the, in the, in the step that gives us some, uh, if you will, some points to look at when we're interviewing people to try and find those personality traits and find the ones where they may be weak and the ones where they may be strong uh, and see how they will fit within our culture of doing business. Um, and then during the interview process, you have, it's up to you to vet that and, and, and weed out the, the ones that are not going to fit with your profile because you're not you're not doing them a favor or yourself a favor when you hire the wrong person. Well, you know, when you hire the wrong person, you, you, a lot of times you yes. get a team yes. fire. Did you ever hear of that? Yes. <laughs> uh, boss, you made a mistake. It's either him or us. <laughs> and Kevin pointed out something to me a long time ago that has stuck with me that, uh, you know, uh, 
when you have somebody that's the wrong person, they're not working out for you and you're unhappy with them, chances are they're unhappy there too. You're actually doing them a favor by releasing them just pursue other opportunities where they can be happy. They're not happy here. They're, they need to find their, their where they are happy. They're zen. And it's not at your store, then it's somewhere else. So we try to, you know, find the right fit. First identify what we're looking for. So when we go out, we can find the right fit and we don't have to go through that process. Very important to know what you're looking for before you start going out looking or you're going to end up just hiring whoever, the first person that comes in. Agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, a- absolutely. I think it's, it's a huge fit, uh, you know, and, and I'm lucky to have a team that that interacts and works so well together. Uh, and we just went through a, a huge expansion, uh, you know, double the size of our staff. And I had a lot of nerves about, you know, the old Blair staff and how they're going to interact with the new Blair staff. Uh, and everybody ended up getting along great, uh, you know, because we were looking for the types of people, you know, that we had, you know, a similar personality, similar uh, interaction, uh, and everybody ended up able to work really well together. Okay, Ryan, I loved one of your talking points about your business plan and sharing it with your people. Uh, and would you ever share that with your uh, with a recruit? Absolutely. I have a version of my business plan for every recruit that I'm talking to, and it has uh, their employee bio in our business plan as if they were an employee of Blair Automotive. Uh, And typically what I like to do is, you know, early on in the recruiting process, when things get more serious, you know, take them out to lunch or, or a meal uh, and give them a physical copy of this business plan. And this does so many things for you. First, it allows them to see uh, that you have the wherewithal to have a business plan and that you have a plan and that you are going somewhere. Uh, and they can learn a lot more about your culture, about who you are, by what they see in the plan. And obviously, it's more of that transparency that we we're talking about earlier. And then they get to the part where they see themselves uh, in the plan and they feel valued. You know, They feel like, man, I could really be a part of this. And they get an idea of your vision and, and what that's going to look like and they can see themselves. You know, a lot of times this is about creating the the imagery, the vision of what their life is going to look like uh, as an employee at, at your shop or in your business. Uh, and then it's just really neat that they have something that they can get excited about. We'll show this to, you know, their mom, their friends, their wife, you know, everybody uh, that is within earshot that, you know, they, they just think it's going to be so cool. And so that's just something that has been really huge for us. And, and I'm sure a lot of my employees that will be watching this can attest to the fact that I, I did this for every single one of them, uh, where they very, very clearly saw their position and, their, and where they were going to be and how they were going to fit in uh, to what we were doing and, and the way that we're moving forward as a company. Do your employees know that they're part of the recruitment process? Absolutely. And some of my best employees were recruited by my best employees. Uh, and and it's just they see the way that they are uh, and how happy they are or maybe they're 
quality of life uh, or the environment that they're in, and, and they're just excited about their job, and so they talk about it to their friends, and, and superstars attract other superstars. And, uh, you know, we got uh, one of my superstar advisors brought on a superstar uh, that in, in training uh, – Amber, but she's, you know, started off doing phones and, and emails and, and just, but she has so much potential. And so we're already training her for the advisor position and she's going to be, she's going to knock them dead and she's already great. And this is someone that we got from another employee. And so it's, it's just, it grows on itself. And same thing for our apprentice out in the shop. He was actually apprenticing with one of the technicians that I brought on, uh, in my expansion and was doing really well. And so, you know, we already knew it was going to be a good fit and he's been working out great. So my question to both of you, Ryan, Robert, and, and you, Kevin, uh, you got business cards with you at all times. So when you bump into a person that's giving you exceptional customer service, that's a people person. Do you, does the recruitment start at the restaurant or the home improvement store that you're at? Absolutely. Absolutely. You never know where you're finding the right person. So I'll tell you, Carmen, in, in our philosophy of lead is that you always look for attitude, aptitude, and ethics. That's where you start especially in an advisor position, maybe not so much in tech, but an advisor position, we can train them the business. You can't train someone to genuinely connect with people. That's, that's a talent or a skill that, that, that's within them. You can't train that. So at, to your point, yes, I encourage my, my clients all the time. You see someone's given superb service. I don't care whether they're in the industry or not. Give them a business card. See if they might want to talk to you. Same with you, Ryan. You got a great example? I don't have a specific example. Um, but I do know that I'm always keeping my eyes out and uh, anybody that totally knocks my socks off, you know, absolutely. Those are the people that I want to add into my recruitment pipeline. Hey, look at guys. We have covered every one of your talking points and even more. We covered more than eight incredible points, uh, pointers for uh, filling vacancies, recruiting your team. Uh, thank you to Ryan Blair, Robert Sexton, and Kevin Vaught. I'm going to give you your last word. Anything that maybe we didn't cover or any great final words of wisdom you'd love to share to your peers in the industry. And Kevin, I'll give you the last word. Robert, I'll give you the first one. Thank you, Cam. Thank you for having me on. And Ryan, you gave me a lot of good insights and things I can work on. I appreciate it. This happens all the time. The, the people that come on the show, they take their own notes. They learn from the other people that are on. They write me and they say, oh, I'm so glad I was on. I paid so much attention. I learned from the other. And so, and this is going on, re- repeating, you know, as we continue to repurpose this. So thank you for saying that, Robert. No, it's, it has re-energized me and refocused me and got me uh, ready to get off the phone so I can start making some phone calls. Yeah. But my, my biggest thing I can say is... Uh, so always stay focused on it. Uh, put, write it down. If it's something that I'm, one of the things I'm really working on is I'm more of a less of a write down person, more got it in my head, and I'm trying to change that. If it's not written down, it ain't going to happen. So I'm working on writing it down, put a plan in place, write it down. I've created a spreadsheet that I keep all my contacts in. I go date back five, four years ago. And uh, I just go through that spreadsheet and keep adding and adding and make notes off to the side. And I go back and we'll, go back to that and call back to see how they're doing and what's going on. And uh, I need to grow it a little more. So I'm going to be working on that in the next, in the coming weeks. One last point I say, uh, since we do a lot of our recruiting from the dealership, you know, the next time you're ordering parts from, you know, 
BMW, Audi, and you're talking to your parts guy, those guys really have their ears to the ground. Uh, just ask them, you know, who, who's who's your superstar advisors over there? Who, who are your superstar technicians? Uh, and, and you'd be amazed. They, they give you a lot of good information. And those are people that you can look for at your next, uh, you know, next events or your next uh social opportunities and get them added into your pipeline. And we've had a lot of success with that. Uh, and also just kind of keeping up uh, with the industry. So uh, that and, and to just, you know, remember that this is uh, this is the long game, you know, and that uh, the superstars of the future are, you know, they're out there uh, and they may not be ready yet, but you can start recruiting them now. And they may not necessarily be ready for your business. Absolutely. But they will someday. They may not be ready yet to the point that, you know, you need them inside. But, you know, I, I, I guess one of the things that I might take away from you, Ryan, if I was thinking hard about it, is that you recruit from the dealer hard. And, and that's impressive because you know that you are a dealer alternative. You know, lock, stock and barrel, man, we are, we is, you know, that's who we and And I'm impressed. I'm impressed with that with that piece that, that that just because it's a big name on the door doesn't mean there's a lot of job security over there yeah and it's just amazing to see how uh how much more important a quality of life is uh to people than than making you know the difference between making 120k a year or 90k a year they may be a lot happier making 90k a year and believing in something and having more balance in their life uh, you know, so just because these dealer guys make a ton of money, don't just immediately dismiss them. You would be amazed at at how uh, they would be willing to take a pay cut for a better life. And obviously, there's there's opportunity in the future, but uh, you know, absolutely keep that in mind. Very, very, very wise, uh, intuitive. Thank you so much, Kevin. You have the last word. Well, the first thing I want to say is I'm a very proud coach today. These two gentlemen here have made me very proud. Uh, but, but more importantly, I think that, yeah, I think the most important thing, Carm, is that they have to, if, if nothing else, schedule an hour a, a day. If you can schedule an hour a day, think about that. That's 250 hours a year that you're dedicating to recruiting. Just one simple hour a day. And, and maybe they can't do that today. Maybe they can do an hour every other day. But schedule time to dedicate to recruiting. Come up with a plan. I'm going to have a. I'm going to have 15 people in my pipeline by December 31st, for example. Come up with a plan and work it. Stick with it. I promise it works. And I do believe it. I do believe it's a great opportunity for us. I do believe that. And many of the tactics to do that hour were mentioned in this academy episode. I mean, if you go back and listen, we'll. we'll put all the talking points. There will be more than eight ways to recruit. And if you just look at that. Copy that off the website when it comes out on Wednesday, and bingo, there, there's there's your uh, that's what you need to do. Pick pick one and do it. Pick one the next day and do it, and do them over and over and over again. Absolutely. Hey, the only live aftermarket roundtable that's repurposed as a podcast right here, Town Hall Academy Live. Thank you so much, Kevin Vaught, Ryan Blair, and Robert Sexton for being with me today. Thank you, Carm. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.